Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. I want to call your attention to Proverbs 1434. 1434. As you go there, uh, I want to remind our Facebook audience that if you want to connect with us, go to thecall.org, thecall.org. We're glad to have you. Uh, I, I hope that you all will share this with others because I really believe the message I'm going to preach this morning is one of the most important messages I've ever preached, particularly in terms of its timeliness. Uh, because where I'm going right now, I was planning to go anyway, but, but the Lord kind of rerouted uh, the way in which I'm going at it uh, because I had no idea when I was going to start this series that when I would be starting this series, we would be facing what we're facing in our country today. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Proverbs 14, 34, one verse simply says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, I want to talk to you today about how to save the nation how to save the nation. Now, I want to put this in context. I was planning to start a series today because we revamped some of our mission and vision statements to try to make them simpler, easier to, to, to memorize, easier to kind of internalize. And this is where I was going today because we were getting away from some of the lengthier statements that we had to make statements about who we are, what our mission is, where we're going simpler for everybody and more, we felt more pointed, something I've been praying about for a while. Now, if we've got them, let's, let's put up, I want you all to see, yeah, I, I'm not going to show you the changes, but I want you to see the, uh, do we have it? I want you all to see the, um, the new statements, and I wanted to call your attention simply to, to, to the first one. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me move on. Um, so you won't see, you may, you may or may not see the whole thing. But our mission statement was to help people find and fulfill their God-given calling and destiny through faith in Jesus Christ and revelation knowledge of the word of God. And I would ask, often ask members, do you remember that? And they would, could you recite it? And, and most would say, no. <laughs> so we have, we have simple, simplified it. I've, I've broken it down after a lot of prayer. Lord, ha, because look, the mission statement of a church is part of why it exists. What, what's, what, what's unique about us? Now, we're all called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, obviously. Amen? Amen. But not every church is called to do exactly the same thing in exactly the same way, right? right. Would you all grant me that? Amen. 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 So, Lord, how can we capture what we've been called to do? And this is what the Lord gave me from that statement to this. It's just a threefold point. Save souls, save families, save the nation. Save souls, save families, save the nation. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? Amen? Repeat that with me. Save souls, save families, save the nation. Praise God. Praise God. Now, what I was planning to do was to start, well, there it is. What I was planning to do was to start this with saving souls. Okay? And just move from the micro how you deal with the individual, to the macro in dealing with the nation. But in light of what's been going on in the last several months, the Lord led me, no, no, start it the other way. Start with saving the nation. And we'll work our way back, amen? 
So we'll start with the macro and then go back to the micro. Are you all with me so far? All right. Praise God. Praise God. Now, look, we all know that on Monday, George Floyd was killed in a circumstance that I know every American who's right thinking finds terribly regrettable. Most of us saw the video of it uh, for some reason. And what we know right now, and I, we, we don't hear again, you know, you always have to be circumspect about this because the facts tend to change, okay? But what we know right now is that apparently, what's being alleged is that George Floyd had passed a $20 counterfeit bill uh, and got called on it and ultimately the police came and he was arrested. Now, I don't know whether that was intentional. I don't know whether it was accidental. I'm sure all of you have had the situation where you go and you pay for something with cash and the people start examining the bill. And I've thought to myself, well, I would hate to be, to have somebody say, hey, guess what? This bill is not legitimate. This is a counterfeit bill because I'm not a counterfeiter, okay? <laughs> I don't traffic in counterfeit uh, currency. Uh, but, but I realize it's the kind of thing that could happen to anybody. So I don't know whether it was intentional, it was accidental, but at any rate, it brought him into a confrontation with the police. And after they subdued him and got him on the ground and had him handcuffed, this one cop decided that he was going to put his knee on his neck. And we've been told he left it there for nine minutes. And that as a direct result of that, uh, George Floyd later died. Now, we know what's happened since then. This, by the way, this cop's name is uh, former cop because he's been fired. Now he's been arrested for manslaughter and third degree murder. Uh, but Devin Chauvin um, is now incarcerated, by the way, under suicide watch, under suicide watch. I guess they feel like he might try to kill himself. Now, it was a senseless, horrific act, a terrible thing to have happen to any American. Um, the, the United States Justice Department is investigating the situation to see whether there are civil rights violations involved and so on and so forth. And we'll just have to wait and see that how this all unfolds and, 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 uh, and, and works itself through the, the, the justice process. Sadly, though, the reaction starting in Minneapolis has been violence and murder and mayhem, and rioting, and looting, and destruction of property. We're told that in St. Paul and Minneapolis, those are the, called the Twin Cities, those, they're, they're very close together, and people kind of move through the two of them like they're one city. Over 200 businesses have been shut down as a result of fire and destruction. Many of those businesses will never come back. It happens every time you get these widespread riots. You get circumstances in which a lot of these businesses are done. They're never going to come back. And while it should not matter, one of the things that is often brought up because it just does seem incongruous is presumably these riots are based on hatred of and a desire to stop racism and injustice against black folks or other quote unquote people of color. But the businesses they burn down often belong to black people and people of color. That's and you kind of think, right. well, right. not that it would be right to burn down anybody's business, mind you. But if you're going to be consistent, that doesn't even make sense based on the screwy thinking you've got. 
So right now, this is erupted. You all know that we apparently had some violence and some disruption in Richmond uh, yesterday, and they're concerned that that will continue and spread throughout Virginia, Atlanta, Detroit, Portland, Oregon, Houston, Los Angeles, Oakland, Phoenix, Dallas, Louisville, New York, Boston, New Orleans, Des Moines, Iowa, Las Vegas, Nevada, Cleveland, La Mesa, California, uh, and probably more than we know because the news just can't keep up with all the places where this stuff is happening right now. And of course, in Washington, D.C., there have been two lockdowns of the White House, which is highly unusual. Highly unusual because, in fact, my wife was watching television the other day and she saw a guard up on the roof of the White House and she said, there's a guard up on the roof of the White House. I said, oh, yeah, there are snipers on the roof of the White House 24 hours a day to guard the life of the president of the first family. And she said, oh, I never noticed that. I said, well, they're always there. <laughs> they're all, and you get a perspective on the roof and you will see them there. And so to lock down the White House says that people are concerned. You know, the president has put the U.S. Army on 24-hour notice. And the National Guard is now, they're already in Minneapolis. They've been requested in Los Angeles. We need to be praying that this thing will not spread that, it, that it, will, it will stop, that people will come to their senses. Now we know most law-abiding people don't engage in this stuff. These tend to be the same thugs that create problems in a community anyway, and this just becomes an excuse for them to do so. By the way, by the way, spurred on by forces outside of the community. Let there be no mistake. The George Soros forces of the world, uh, Antifa, uh, these anarchists who are interested, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, my buddy Curtis Bauer, who wrote, who uh, 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 produced the first film, Agenda, on the infiltration and insinuation of communism into our culture, um, always says it this way, the issue is never the issue. The issue is the revolution. The issue is destabilizing America. The issue is is denigrating our country. The issue is, is destroying the morale of our people. The issue is dividing us against one another. The issue is trying to make it impossible for our system to continue as is, so that it can be remade in the image of Karl Marx and, and, uh, and, and these kinds of thinkers who really believe that freedom is anathema to real progress, that you can't have freedom and have utopia too, right? Because people don't know what to do. They need to be ordered around. By the way, don't you find it a little ironic that over the last two months, we've been hearing all of these orders, you shall not do this and you shall not do that and you cannot go out and you cannot take a drive and you can't go to the park. And you know, just exercising this, this tyrannical control over the American people. You can, in some jurisdictions, you may not go to church. They actually told the pastor, you can't even go toward the church because we're not going to allow, allow the church to be open. And law-abiding citizens trying to navigate all of that peacefully and, and try, I, I'll never forget where two police officers showed up at a woman's house, knocked on her door to tell her, we heard that your son visited with a neighbor. Yeah, this is on, on video. You, you can find out. Yeah. And she said, what? Yes, your son's been moving around the neighborhood. And she said, yeah. And they said, he can't do that. One, one Mississippi sheriff told the pastor who said, wait a minute, I've got First Amendment rights. He said, your rights were suspended when the governor gave his order. Oh, 
So all these orders flying around, and now you've got these leftist mayors saying, well, let's not be too harsh. Give them room. Give the rioters room. I didn't hear them saying that about Americans who were simply saying, well, wait a minute. I, I got a business I got to try to run. I got a life I got to try to live. Oh, no, people want to go to church. No, 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 no. You, don't you dare do that. We will find you. We will arrest you. And now with the rioters, they're saying, well, give them room. They're angry. Give them space. What that tells you is it's not about doing what's right. It's, it's about control. And see, they, they like what they're seeing now because they think it takes them where they want to go. But when it came to the American people just saying, well, now, wait a minute, you know, we're responsible people. We'll make wise decisions. We'll, we'll look out for our health. No, you're too stupid. You don't know what to do. In fact, I heard one, one commentator say today when he said, do you think, the commentator was asking a doctor, do you think that it's time to order every American to we be wearing a mask the moment they leave the house? And the guy said, absolutely, every American should be ordered to wear a mask before they leave their house. He said, because otherwise you're killing me. You see, this is the, 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 here again, this is the lie. Because we know that 98 to 99.1% of the people, even who contract it, will be fine. But they want to treat us like, oh, no, no, you get it. Within two seconds, boop, you're done. I mean, that, that's really the way they've acted. I, you know, I talked to, to, to Brother Will about Deborah. He said, no, Deborah's been fine. She's been just fine. You know, no, no, no severe symptoms, no problems. We know that people over 80 who have underlying medical conditions are more vulnerable. We understand that. And we want to protect our vulnerable. But to act like anybody who gets this is going to kill over and die. And therefore, we have a right to impose these draconian rules on people. But when it comes to folks destroying businesses, setting cars on fire, attacking police, then we hear, well, now let's not, let's not react too harshly. Let's give them room to express themselves. We really do need to get our priorities straight, don't we? Amen. We really do. We really do. Well, look. It's no exaggeration to say all hell's breaking loose in the United States of America right now. It's not an exaggeration because uh, look, saints, let's be clear on something. And this is the first major point I want to make with this. OK, and I want everybody on, in, on watching on Facebook. Make sure you you share this. Don't forget this. The killing of George Lloyd was an act of the devil. It was an act of the devil. Now, he used this officer to get it done. And, and, and maybe a couple who stood around and watched it happen and didn't have the courage to say, man, get your foot, get your knee off his neck. One, apparently one police officer did and he wouldn't listen. But it was an act of the devil. But let's make something else clear. The rioting, the murder, the mayhem, the destruction of property is just as much an act of the devil as the killing of George Lloyd was. Just as much. Just as much. And you know what? COVID-19 is an act of the devil as a footnote, too. That, that's an act of the devil. 
It's emanating from a godless, atheistic, communist dictatorship. Now, we, we won't go there right now. Got another assignment for today. But look, I don't expect people in the world to understand this. They will hear what I say. Oh, there he is again. He's crazy. He's talking about it's an act of the devil. What I don't understand is Christians not understanding this. That's what I don't understand. That Christians buy into the, just the racial narrative. You know, I've often likened it to this. Somebody walks up to you and you're not a medical doctor and they say, wow, look at this tumor on my hand. And you go, yeah, man, you need to have that taken off. And they say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I have that thing cut out. Well, you then go see a doctor who does a biopsy and says, well, that's cancerous and it's spread and it's not enough to cut that out. We got to get to the underlying disease. Christians ought to know there's an underlying disease. Christians ought to know that the problem is sin. The problem is the corruption of the human heart. Because that's why we don't make any progress in our country on this, because we keep dealing with the little tumor on the hand and thinking, well, we cut that out. Oh, and everything will be fine. But it's never fine. Because the only thing that will deal with sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're busy as a society running as far from him as we can. And then we wonder why we don't make any progress. Amen. Amen. Look, you know what? The conditions of the inner city haven't changed in 50 years. Now think about that. And we keep running through the same cycle over and over and over again. And the conditions do not change. In fact, in some ways, just like with Minneapolis right now, it's going to be worse in the aftermath of this because you're going to have businesses destroyed. You're going to have whole blocks that will not be able to be used. I, I visited Ferguson after the riots in Ferguson. I went out there. I went to Michael Brown's funeral, believe it or not. I wanted to see exactly what was going on. I wanted to witness it for myself. It was like a bomb had been dropped. And you think, how is that helping anybody? How is that making life better? Because now you've got people who were employed in those businesses. Guess what? That's not, they're done. You've got people who are earning money as those business owners. They're done. You've got part of the economic base of the community that's been completely removed now. How is that making anything any better? Look, it, it's a work of the devil. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's Satan. That's who's behind it. Amen? Amen. Amen. 220 businesses destroyed in Minneapolis and, and, uh, and St. Paul. I mean, and, and here again, there's no telling where this is going to end up if this continues. That's why we got to pray that the Lord will bring an halt to this before more destruction is done. Amen? Amen. Amen. So then the question for us is, all right, Bishop, this is happening all over the country right now. It does seem to be spreading. But do we as Christians have any responsibility for this at all? I mean, what business is it of ours? The name of the message is how to save the nation. Why, why do we have to? Why is that our business? Now, I know you all probably thinking to yourselves, well, well, clearly it is. Let me tell you something. In churches all over the country right now, there are preachers who will say, it's not. My job is to save souls. 
I don't have anything to do with that. And I think to myself, well, then, have you ever read the Bible? Because unless you're one of those people who believes, oh, no, 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 I don't read the old covenant because the old covenant is not relative. Only the new covenant is not relevant and not relevant. Only uh, only the new covenant is. Because there is a prophetic tradition, biblical tradition in the old covenant that I really believe carries over to the new that says we are absolutely responsible for the condition of the nation. We are absolutely responsible to speak to it. Look, Jesus said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, um, the word says this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, now, if you agree with me that what we're seeing is the work of the devil and Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil, John 20, 21 says, as the father has sent me, even so I send you. So therefore, it's our responsibility to destroy the work of the devil, not to sit on the sidelines and say, well, that's not my business. my, My job is to save souls. Well, yes, your job is to save souls. How easy do you think it is to save souls when the the whole society disintegrates around you? Mm -hmm. And the hostility to the gospel of Jesus Christ grows. So don't mention God here. Don't mention God there. Don't mention Jesus here. Don't mention Jesus there. That's offensive. Mm -hmm. Listen, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, that's our job, too. Amen. That's our job, too. So then the question is, well, Bishop, how do we do that? How do we do that? Because, you know, I, I've often said, and those of you who've been around me a while know, I oft, I've often said, you know, we know more in the body of Christ than we do. And we need to focus more on what do we do with what we know? How do we apply what we know? Put it to work. Amen? Amen. So we're not just full of knowledge about the word, but we actually know how the Bible says be doers of the word. So, so what do we do, Bishop? That, yeah, okay, it's the work of the devil. How do we destroy the work of the devil? What, what is it we're supposed to do? Well, our, our text says, in Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So here's principle number one. It's got to be, right? We've got to exalt righteousness. We've got to set up a standard of righteousness. In other words, if righteousness lifts a nation up and the nation is degenerating into sinfulness and and, and depravity and we don't do anything to lift up the standard of righteousness, then what we're doing is bringing reproach upon our own country. In other words, we're, we're getting America out of the sphere of God's blessing and allow it, allow it to get into the sphere of Satan's control. We've got to raise up a standard of righteousness for America. Amen. Here's number one in that principle. We've got to reassert without apology or compromise that America is a Christian nation. We are a Christian nation. Now, I know legally we don't have an official religion in America, but that's not the point. The point is culturally we are a Christian nation. We're not not a bit a Buddhist nation or a Hindu nation or a Muslim nation. The predominant thinking in the United States of America has always been with reference to the Bible, the Word of God, and Jesus Christ as Lord. We've got to to come back to that. 
And we've got to acknowledge that to, to the extent that we acknowledge that. And I know there are forces that are deeply committed to stopping that. That, that's what forces that hate you and hate me because we say, no, 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 no. We, we, we believe America is a God ordained nation, a providential nation, and that we can only be blessed if we continue to exalt almighty God. One of my favorite quotes from George Washington came in his first Thanksgiving proclamation. He said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and to humbly implore his favor and protection. Amen. Boy, the ACLU would sue a president if he said that today. But the first president of the United States said that in the first Thanksgiving proclamation. We've got to come back to that grounding, that foundation, that truth. See, and when we rebel against that, we bring reproach upon the nation. And that word reproach means shame. See, the Bible says those who put their hope in the Lord will not be ashamed. What that means is we're getting out of the sphere of hoping in God and hoping in other things. And that brings shame upon the nation. And so, saints, shame on us for killing 1.2 million babies in the womb every year. Shame on us. Shame on us for making homosexuality to be something good and virtuous and desirable and something we want to have taught to our children. Shame on us for denying the reality of God's creation when he made us male and female and suggesting that that's nothing but a social construct and nobody really knows what their gender is. It's something they've got to discover. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. God made male and female. That's it. And that's all. Glory to God. Glory to God. Shame on us for removing Bible and prayer from the schools. It's been downhill ever since. And we think we did something noble and all we did was degenerate the nation. Shame on us for daring to make it seem like you're insulting people if you say Merry Christmas. No, no, say Happy Holidays. Happy Winter Solstice. No, it's Merry Christmas. Christmas celebrates the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't like it, go home and shut the door. And leave the rest of us alone. And, and saints, shame on those, shame on those pastors who call themselves Christians and those churches who call themselves Christians and they are cowardly. They are cowardly. They refuse to stand up. They refuse to speak up. And I want to remind you, Revelation 21, verses 7 and 8 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But listen to this. But the cowardly, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake with burns, with fire, and brimstone, which is the second death. God puts cowards in the same category as unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars. You got a bunch of preachers called by God, anointed by God, presumably, and afraid of their own shadows, afraid of their church members, afraid of the government, afraid of losing their tax exempt status, afraid of not being liked by the media. Come on here, somebody. Uh, uh, listen, listen, so afraid of what people will think of them that they'll dishonor God and satisfy the popular fads and whims so they can fit in. Shame on them. 
shame on churches for passing out condoms in the church and, and supporting passing out clean needles instead of proclaiming the power of Jesus to deliver you from promiscuity and deliver you from drug addiction. 